You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, how's it going on? Anything new this week? Uh, yeah, David Hall. Hello, hello. Back to teaching, and uh, and that's it. And uh, hopefully Evan Pasoka will be joining us shortly, but uh, we'll jump right into topics in the meantime. Uh, David, when I saw this thread uh, title, I thought, uh-oh, here we go again. The, the title of the thread was Crowd is White. Yeah, it's uh, some, obviously some kind of graphics bug. Uh, you mentioned that it's no longer available on the forums. Uh, they probably dealt with it. Uh, when you see something like this, it's good to post it, but it's also good to put in a, a support ticket. They usually respond to it pretty quickly. So it wasn't a racial uh, forum post. It was the crowd is literally white. Uh, and uh, and when there's a picture that I, I captured out of the forum post before it was deleted. Uh, showing just that uh, the grandstands, all the people are in the grandstands, uh, and they're but they're you can kind of see the the shade of color of their clothes, but everything is like a washed out white. Uh, very interesting uh, bug, and I assume uh, it's on the the palette to get fixed. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. I can't tell what track it is. It's definitely a road course, but I, I can't tell what it is from that picture. I haven't figured that out yet either. First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaked and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough, and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. And with that, there's Evan Pasoko. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It was uh, a bit of uh, an interesting race this week at Darlington, but uh, happy to be on as always. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, but before the race, uh, we got big news about the playoffs, uh, formats, dates. Uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, with uh, – the the COVID stuff kind of changing a lot of scheduling and and I think the biggest issue was um, with NBC still unable to have a lot of their staff uh, on site is uh, we're going to keep doing the uh, the broadcasts in house for the rest of the year which is is good for those who are kind of used to the normal schedule because that means we stay on Tuesdays. Um, and you can be watching these races for the rest of the year um, on the, the iRacing Sports Network. So that's all of iRacing social channels, um, as well as at enascar.com. Uh, but they did mention, I believe, uh, that in some sort of way uh, that there's going to be highlights um, of, of our races covered by NBC on NASCAR America. And then a week or so after our finale at Homestead, uh, there's going to be like an abbreviated one hour broadcast of it on NBCSN. And the cool thing is, I think in two weeks at Vegas, 
um, that we're going to have Steve Letarte and Parker Kligerman actually in the booth with me uh, for the final six weeks. So uh, obviously we were looking forward to being on NBCSN. Uh, unfortunately, it can't happen because of uh, a lot of the changes that have happened uh, over the course of uh, what's been a kind of a crazy year, but uh, making the best of it. Yeah, my guys were telling me it has to do with something called hockey, which I really don't know much. About. <laughs> well, I'm a big hockey fan, so I'm I'm all over that. But uh, yeah, I think it was just a combination of uh, the uh, with the Corona stuff going on that NBC wasn't able to get all of their people um, into the stu- studio in Stanford like they would have wanted to to give us a similar presentation of what we saw last year, and the fact that. Uh, you know, all these companies are going through so many layoffs that uh, just not going to happen this year. So fingers crossed uh, for 2021. We'll be back. Yeah. Initially, I was pretty bummed about this because uh, I was hoping to watch it on TV. But at the end of the day, I mean, iRacing was blessed by NASCAR, uh, NBC, Fox uh, earlier this year with the amount of incredible exposure. This was completely over the top. And and, you know, this is just a wrinkle in the in the sand. Yeah, it was a a huge bit of exposure uh, with the Pro Invitational Series. Um, And, you know, NBC is cool that they're still giving us uh, Stephen Parker to be on the broadcast. So it'll basically be what the NBC broadcasts would have been just online for us. Nothing changes. Nothing was really going to change anyways. Um, And like I said, I'm sure iRacing is going to be looking to extend this partnership with NBC. And they did a really good job of, you know, even though we can't do it live like we wanted to, showing highlights and and giving us that one-hour championship special on November the 8th, uh, taking a look back on, I think, is when that's going to air. So uh, I think everybody did uh, as bad a good of a job as you can think of just to kind of uh, be flexible and make something happen and, uh, you know, with, if this year has been any indication, aside from the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs, that uh, this series is going to be around for a long time. So uh, don't uh, you know, be afraid that last year, I think, was the only time it was going to be on TV because I, I think we got a lot to come down the road. Oh, yeah. So also, because it's Darlington and it was a throwback uh, kind of uh, scheme there, a lot of the drivers uh, put out you know, their throwback paints. Um, and I was trying to oh my God, let me gather these together so we can look at them. What a daunting task. But actually, Justin Melillo over at uh, the racingexperts.com, he, he actually got a screenshot of almost all of them on one website. So thank you to Justin uh, for putting that together and also for tweeting out uh, play-by-play of the, of the broadcast, which helps me out a lot. Justin's great. Uh, he's such a good resource. And, uh, you know, I've talked before on the the podcast about how he was in uh, Charlotte with us earlier this year for Media Day and uh, helped us keep some sanity as well, try to keep track of all the throwbacks. I think that we featured 28 of them on the broadcast. There was probably a little bit more than that, but uh, we could only talk about uh, the ones in which the drivers gave us reference photos that we were, you know, legally allowed to use. Um, on the broadcast. I'm curious what everybody's favorite throwback was uh, of the group, because I think, in my opinion, I thought that Bobby Zelensky's Harvick throwback was the coolest looking one. Uh, but I was curious if you guys had some favorites. Well, the Bobby Labonte uh, interstate battery, I thought was uh, pretty classic. But uh, also just... the Tide Ride, I got to say, because I, I used to run the Tide Colors. Yeah, I was going to say, I um, I really liked that the... Um, uh, the uh, that Ray and Bobby Linsky did the did the throwback to the NASCAR Racing 2003 uh, cover because that that game's just I still have that box in pristine condition and the game and everything. 
Yeah, I thought, I thought that was awesome because not only did they, I mean, you know, not only is it a throwback to two iconic paints, but obviously there's no iRacing without NR2003. So I thought that was super clever to do great throwbacks, two of the best looking ones in the field. Uh, but then also I think that tie-in with the history of sim racing uh, made it cool. So I think those two definitely nailed it. It was funny seeing the uh, the dueling, if you would, Bobby Allison Coke throwbacks that had a, uh, a bit of a rough night with uh, Santi and, and uh, Mullis as well. So, uh, yeah, the, I love the throwback night. I love when we get the different paint schemes, and I think it's so cool uh, that we've embraced it on the sim side. I think the one, and I, and I mentioned this on the broadcast, the one that kind of threw me for a loop was Jake Nichols running the uh, the Brad Keselowski throwback just because it was obviously See, that's a that's a Keselowski Dodge paint scheme that was on a 24 car that was on a Ford. I just thought it was funny, uh, all the different crossovers. It was a little bit weird to see, but I thought that was fun too. Yeah, it was pretty neat. And it gave us something to look at uh, going up, uh, leading up to the race and uh, some engagement on social media. Let's get into the race. It was almost very early trouble. Uh, Brian Schoenberg, Justin Bolton made contact entering turn one, lap one. Everyone gathered it up. We continued onward. Leaders were Conti, Leahy, Ottinger, Alfala, Kerwin, Zelensky, Keister, Vincent, Davies, Bryant. Conti was fast. He had the pole and fastest in practice. Yeah, and he was actually pulling away, which we would kind of learn as the run or as the race went on. And we went through a couple of different runs that that was not going to be. Um, you know, something that continued to happen because he had gotten out to a little bit more than a second and that ended up being kind of the biggest uh, lead that we had we would see all night long. But at that point, uh, I think it was clear that track position was going to be key. Um, maybe not uh, how clear because that was kind of the name of the game all night. Absolutely. So first caution, lap 30, a three-car incident uh, brings out uh, that caution. It was John Golinski. Gorlinski uh, checked up off the corner, and then Graham Bolin ended up making contact. Eventually, 97 took a lazy spin and got Zach Novak. Man, I can't believe Zach's luck. It's It's been rotten. And just when he has, you know, he'll have a good week. And he'll pick up a little bit, of course, because his focus now is is just on the relegation battle, um, you know. And he'll have a bad week, and then you'll be like, "Here we go again." They'll have a good week. It's been up and down, up and down, up and down. And it's, uh, you know, interesting enough that uh, you know, coming into this race, at least he was plus three, um, you know, got to above the cut line, and and then he has a down week. But uh, yeah, that's been that's just been the way his season's gone, and. I guess, uh, you know, even Ray can attest to this, uh, you know, the guys that have been around forever, the vets know that uh, not every year could be a great year. And yeah, it's just been, it's been rotten for him to, to be honest. Well, it turned out that the move of the race was next right on pit road during that first round of pit stops. Uh, Keegan Leahy was able to take the lead over Michael Conti on the exit of pit road. And it wasn't even like, um, you know, not like Conti overshot the stall at all. Um, and and they said this um, when we were in the uh, post-race interviews that, I mean, Conti's like, I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. Um, but it was just a case of, you know, a lot of tracks that number one pit stall is a big benefit because that 
uh, scoring line is, you know, five, 10 feet away. And it was like 30 or 40 down. So it didn't give him as much of an advantage. Uh, didn't give him a disadvantage at all. But um, yeah, it, and it was really, we only saw two, three instances of actually, you know, first two pit stops. I think we saw Conti lose a spot each time, went first to second. And then later he would go second to third. We're thinking, okay, it's going to be a theme all night. That was kind of it. Nobody else really top five lost or gained anything notable. It was just, for whatever reason, Conti was a little bit slow at the start, and, and that kind of what sank him. Yeah, and we all know that when you're on pit road, the, the pit stops can vary by a second or two, you know, kind of randomly. And that's probably all it was, really, because like you said, Mike, Mike had a good stop. Keegan just had a better stop. And, and these guys are so evenly matched that that's all it takes. Yeah, and that's the, you know, we kind of know that the margin between teams is so small. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it's a little bit, uh, I mean, in some cases it's grown. Um, only specific cases, you know, as drivers have gotten more accustomed to this setup. But, you know, through the field, we're averaging maybe three to four tenths of a second uh, maximum between the fastest cars, the slowest cars and qualifying. Um, but just how hard this track is with this package to pass and the fact that, you know, the faster car can be, you know, a couple hundreds better each lap, but you need to be like a tenth or two faster lap to get enough of a run on anybody at this racetrack to actually make a move. Uh, that those restarts, you know, uh, were critical. And once you got two, three laps in, minus a mistake or contact, you were pretty much stuck. We saw cases where drivers got into the fence or they really burned up their equipment and they would, you know, lose four or five spots. Um, and there were drivers that went through the field. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some impressive drives by guys like Malik Gray and whatnot. For the most part, though, um, the track position was, was more critical this week uh, than I say it would be on average. Oh, yeah, because it's so hard to pass. If Keegan yeah. doesn't make a mistake, you know, there, it's, there's no getting around him. So lap 46, uh, it was heavy damage uh, for a few of the heavy hitters. Bobby Zielinski, Casey Kerwin uh, caught the wall. Uh, Bre uh, Reynolds, uh, Bryant, uh, Busa, though, was the, got the worst of it, and he had to retire. And that's somebody else who has not had uh, a lot of luck, uh, you know, go his way, which is funny because, you know, he's a top 15 car in the points. Um, I think that, or he was at least going into that race. I didn't take a look to see what he dropped or not, but, um, you know, Busta seems like to be one of those guys where he's deserved a lot more. Um, you know, there's only so many pole sitters, uh, in this series. And I think that's a pretty good indication of speed in most cases. And, you know, I think that based on that, he could probably be, uh, you know, like a top 10 or 10th ish car, like kind of a, a borderline driver to challenge, for a playoff spot, but the problem is, uh, is he is in the the top one third uh, for incidents per race, uh, which kind of goes to. I mean, he's he's it's half of what John Gorlinski is getting a race. You want to talk about bad luck? It has not been fun for John this year. But uh, yeah, boost is somebody else who. It's funny that you, you get in one incident and it feels like you're in a dozen. Yep, exactly. Uh, lap fifty two. Not long after, uh, it was the two Coke cars with the same kind of paint job came together. Uh, they were the Bobby Allison scheme, and the Bobby Allison scheme collide, and then Bobby Zelinsky gets goes around. So you were saying it's called the triple Bobbies. 
Yeah, it was Bobby into Bobby into Bobby. It was tough. Uh, and it was not the only time that we saw the four and the 46 not only running together on the night, but having some issues later on. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, for what I thought was the best looking car in the field, uh, takes out uh, Bobby Z there, who had been running great. I mean, of course, there was that contact earlier um, into which he and Alfala actually got into it a little bit, and, and Alfala was okay. But that's when they were running, I think, both top five or top six or so. Um, and that, that might have hindered him a little bit. Maybe that's why he was dropping back. But uh, I mean, for not having won a race on an oval until the Super Speedway two weeks ago, he was looking pretty good up there until uh, things started to come apart. So I think Zelensky's really starting to make himself a formidable challenge. We kind of always know he's going to win the road course races. He's going to be top fives, top tens. But I don't know if with this playoff format, of course, the one race to win it all, that it's something that has been in Zelensky's wheelhouse. But he's starting to turn that corner, I believe, to where if we see a couple more good looks like this, uh, I'd put him in my final four. Yeah, he's looking good for sure on the ovals. So uh, it was t- about 10 later, um, Casey Kerwin and uh, Brian Schoenberg uh, were not happy uh, with each other. In fact, uh, Schoenberg, after getting uh, kind of ran into by Casey Kerwin, pretty much just took him out in the backstretch. Yeah, and I think after Kerwin kind of ran into Schoenberg because Schoenberg was slow and Casey wasn't happy because he felt like Brian was in the road and Brian wasn't happy because he felt like Casey ran him over um, and they saved it, right? Like we were fine. And then kind of, I think Casey went down to kind of try to block him into the corner to, to kind of, you know, express his displeasure. And then when he did that, uh, you know, Brian's also thinking, well, you know, I'm in the right, you're in the wrong. And he turned up and, and kind of cleaned about. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the admins were taking a look at that one because it was certainly avoidable. Yep, yep. Um, so the top three uh, were pulling away from the rest. It was Keegan Leahy, Mike Conti, Nick Ottinger uh, halfway there. Then 88 to go, a caution. It was Brandon Cattell and Nathan Lyon who got together on this one. Yeah, and it's funny because I think just a little bit before that incident, we were complimenting Nathan Lyon on how he had been doing a pretty good job. And, uh, you know, Cattell is is one of those drivers that uh, as well kind of has the good days and the bad days. And, you know, he's only got one top 10 this year. Um, It just hasn't been good for Clint Boyer Racing uh, with he and and Schoenberg, of course, who I was just talking about. Um, you know, involved in that other incident, but that was another cool case because we. I just wanted to mention, you know, talking about throwbacks. You saw the Willie B guys throwing it back uh, to to Byron, um, but it was cool to see that uh, Cattell was running a uh, Clint Boyer throwback as well on that. But it's just tough luck, and and you know, in the case of Nathan Lyon, you know, he's one of those drivers that I think with another year or two, he can be up in a top you know, dozen or so spot in the points. Um, he's just looking for some more experience underneath his belt. And, uh, you know, a, a season like this where it feels like you've gone through the round, there's a lot of guys, I mean, you know, that feel like it's been a cruddy season. By the end of it, 20 of them will tell you it was awful. And everybody above that relegation line is going to be like, it, it could have been better, but it wasn't awful. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys that have, have felt like, I think, that it's been a rough year. But I think Nathan Lyons, somebody who uh, – if he can ideally kind of take what this season's been and, and channel it into a learning experience, because he's still real young. Uh, and I feel like he could be a guy that's 
can be around in this series for a while, but it's just Darlington. I mean, you can't get away from anybody. You, you know, you can't really uh, pull away. You can't separate. You're not really going to fall back from anybody. It was a wild race from Darlington. Honestly, I was surprised when Tim was talking to us in our Tim facts about how little yellows we had been averaging at Darlington over the years. Uh, more than made up for it uh, in what was uh, a bit of a, a wild night, shall we say, racing under the lights. But it seems like it always is. Yeah, and that uh, lineup at that point, 73 to go. It was Leahy, Conti, Ottinger, Alfala, Clampett, Cook, Davies, Luza, and Vincent. And then more Bobby brutality. The Bobby Labonte throwback of Bolin Graham and the Bobby Allison throwback of Jimmy Mullis go for a loop after a checkup from the Colin Keister. I, I said it wasn't the first time and it wasn't going to be the last time. And, you know, you mentioned your favorite car uh, in Graham Bolin involved in that incident. Uh, this was a big night for him uh, because, of course, you know, if you keep in mind the fact that he came into the evening uh, ninth, I think. So he's a bubble guy. I mean, you know, Graham Bolin has a really good look at being a playoff driver this year. It was already a tall task because I think it was like 20-something points off of Ray Alfala. And then a poor result uh, is going to put him uh, – I don't think he loses anything points-wise. He's still going to be, I think, 25, 20-ish points um, out of the uh, the bubble. But he opened up the door with that incident uh, for the guys below him like Vincent Davies and, and Mullis didn't have a good night. So I think he stayed ahead of Mullis. But it was a big opportunity lost – uh, especially when you consider, uh, you know, how, how it wasn't a great night for Ray. Right. So let's talk about that. 48 to go. Caution for Ray. And this is the ultimate uh, getting freight train. He just slips up a little bit off the bottom. And then after that, everybody's just taking advantage of that and getting on the bottom around him. And he started to fall back. And ultimately, uh, Ryan Luza made some slight contact with him that sent him around. Yeah. And, and Ray, you know, doesn't, he gets away with it. Um, you know, when Bobby Zelensky was in the wreck, we didn't really, not, not that we didn't care that Bobby was wrecked, but, you know, he's one of those guys that's safe enough in points. Um, now that we have only two weeks left, I mean, obviously Graham's incident happened before Ray's. So it's not like he, you know, okay, Ray wrecked out. I should try to get a lot of points here. It just so happened to go the other way around. So I guess you could say it's a, long, a missed opportunity for both of them um, in this case. Um, as as Ray gets involved in uh, that little bit of a mess, and it's just you know it's it's funny because we're we're gonna look back on this race, I think ironically enough, and and maybe feel like this is where the the tide kind of changed because Boland could have picked up a bunch, he doesn't, um, and he finished down like twenty fifth. Um, you know, in, in Ray's case, that's probably a top five car. Uh, he finishes seventeenth in the race. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's the point spread right there. You know, that 15, 20 points that you dropped. And in Vegas, you, and we talked about this. I mean, Vegas, anything can happen. Don't get me wrong. And I love Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Of the one and a half milers, it's one of my favorites. And that's probably a biased opinion because it's just 30 minutes down the road for me. It's my hometown track. But that's like the last safe race, right? I mean, if you had gotten 10 points out of Darlington, 10 points out of Vegas, you get something into Talladega, right? I mean, I don't think there's any way that you can points race at Talladega. Uh, we'll find out. They'll try. Don't get me wrong. 
But um, yeah, it's just it's a tough blow for both of those guys, and and it makes uh, the championship hopefuls that much more difficult for P8. It's going to make our job easier because we get more drivers in the mix. But um, if Ray misses out, or I think mainly if Graham misses out, because he was primed, um, he's going to be kicking himself over uh, what happened this week. Yep. And then uh, after that, it was Kane Cook and Brad Davies had incredible saves towards the front of the pack on a restart, but lost some critical track position. Uh, And then it was kind of the move I thought I was up on my seat for this one. 40 to go. Conti uh, finally takes a look on the inside of Keegan. But like you said before, it's just not enough uh, without Keegan making a mistake. No, I mean, he, and we saw a couple of times, even when Conti was like a car length back, he'd stick a nose to the inside, you know, kind of show it to him and, and see if you could convince him that you're there. But I mean, honestly, even if you, like, he only got up on the quarter panel and that was his best look and he knew it wasn't going to happen and, and he backed off. And that honestly is the right move or, or you Truex both cars into the fence and, and you hand it over to the third. I mean, you could even get to somebody's note, like, you know, right alongside each other, door to door, nose to nose. And you probably still don't get it. The only time that inside really worked it again, I'm not saying that there was no passing because we had guys plus 20s. Overland was one of them who who had been making good moves. I mentioned Malik Gray, I think, as well. I mean, you could do it, but that's more so when you had cars that I think didn't qualify well, getting around cars that, you know, ate up their equipment early in a run. When you have guys that are separated by hundreds, um, you, you just you needed a mistake, and I mean, you probably could have put the bumper to him, put him into the wall, try to move somebody out of the way. I mean, that's an option, but um, and that's not how those guys wanted to go at it. And again, without the win, and you're in, it's a lose situation for Michael Conti. Does Michael Conti want to win the race? Yeah, but if you wreck somebody for the race win to get what one more point, right. then you know, and you can face supplemental discipline for a guy that is about a race's worth of points above the cut line. Yeah, there was there was no incentive for Conti to do anything like that. Yeah, a good second place is a good point. Yeah, so. take the points. That's I mean, that's what this system pays off without the win and you're in is points. And and I think that maybe was why we didn't see guys uh, sending it as much as uh, we did it in the real life race last weekend. All right, and then 35 to go. Ray Alfalo was making his way back up. He was went from 26 to 16th. Uh, quite impressive to watch that when it's so hard to pass. And then 32 to go. Michael Guest gets the wall hard after getting tagged by Tiras, but it does stay green. What was neat to watch, though, at the end here is points as they run. I love this. What they do at NASCAR, and you guys were doing it. Um, and then watching the cameras of both the leaders where we could see their face, the intense concentration that Michael Conti has. Yeah, I love having the the onboard cameras, and those live points have been something that um, Drew and everybody at iRacing had been trying to get for us for a long time to get that. Because basically, they're working directly with ATVO and the other companies in which we use the software for. They're working directly with them to get stuff updated on a weekly basis. So it's not like it's a, you know, we're we're kind of on our own. So we have that ability to incorporate these kind of formulas and stuff that's that's well above my pay grade into the broadcast. And we've had that kind of little box on the left hand side. Um, where we can do the points as they run, where we can focus on the battle for P8 or the battle for P20. And then also immediately after the race, we can also get a look. It's probably accurate to within one or two points, give you a really good idea of that full graphics page with the updated points after the race. Uh, I think this is the first week we use that. 
Um, that's one of my favorite things uh, when I'm watching a race is seeing somebody drop a spot and you know seeing it gain one or two positions uh, on the live point. So uh, that's great for us, and and it's going to be uh, you know that much more valuable when we get to the playoffs when we're talking because you can look at all eight. Uh, on the uh, the bar at one. So yeah, they've been working real hard on that and makes our job a lot easier because I am not a fan of doing math anyways, let alone when I'm trying to call a race and then look at it points and try to figure some things out. It's it's kind of a prime position for me to embarrass myself. So having the, the system do it for us really helps. Yeah, very fun to watch that at the end there. And uh, Keegan Leahy obviously wins the race. It's win number three on the season. I want to point out some solid top tens of some guys who needed it. Fifth for Malik Ray, sixth King Cook, ninth Colin Keister, tenth Jake Nichols. Yeah, big nights. Uh, you know, Malik had that huge up. I'm trying to go back and double check because I don't remember where he started, but it was it was him and somebody else that were super close. Um, as far as positions gained, um, I'm just trying to take a look at, at where they started. Yeah, I mean, Malik started 30th and finished 5th, so that was plus 25. And Chris Overland finished 12th after starting 37th. I mean, that is big uh, for those two drivers. Obviously, yeah, it's a lot of points. It's not going to be a difference maker uh, when we talk about you know either of those guys making uh, a push for the playoffs, because in fact uh, Chris and Malik were tied uh, for 28th in the points coming into this evening, but you can kind of translate that into uh, you know a bit of momentum, a bit of encouragement. That's kind of what I talked about post race with Keegan. The fact that you know Ryan's also got three wins, you've got three wins, but I think that his are more valuable because Ryan Luzu went on that tear. He won three weeks in a row, but he's been kind of spotty since then. And Keegan has been consistent through the year, uh, spacing his wins out. Then you know he's probably the catbird seat coming into this. But uh, you know it's fun when you get to a track like Darlington that you get to see a couple of different race winners or different uh, you know guys up at the front of the field. Don't expect uh, anything shocking at Vegas, and then uh, expect total mayhem at Talladega for what's coming up. Yeah, so let's uh, look at our points and talk Vegas. Uh, we got Bobby uh, Keegan, second, Garrett Lowe, quietly in third, Michael Conti, fourth, Ryan Michaeluza, fifth, Nick Ottinger, sixth, Logan Clampett, seventh, Ray Afala, eighth, and uh, Dave Brad Davies, ninth. Yeah, Davies is a big, uh, you know, a big gain from all of this because he had been, he leapfrogs. Bolin and Mullis and all those guys, even uh, Vincent. So Brad Davies, I think, is is the guy to highlight coming out of this race um, with a P9 finish. Now, you know, Ray gets away with one with Graham having the issues because I think coming into this race, Ray was up by 15 points, I believe. And, you know, that's not great. Um, but it's better than, you know, two or three. And he actually leaves, despite the fact that he was involved in an incident, still finished top 20, uh, but his thing grows from 15 to 20. So he grows and gains five points. It's big for Ray. Um, obviously, our magic number is 45. If you're not 45 points above or below the cut line going into Talladega, you can lose it. Um, that's mathematically. You know, you'd have to finish dead last the guy behind you would have to win the race, lead the most laps and all that. But um, I think that Davies uh, needs to, you know, get another top 10, uh, get that point spread to 10 ish points because you can gain 10 points 
you know, in, in a lap at Talladega, depending right. on which line moves somewhere. 20, I think you're at the point where you're hoping Ray gets in a wreck. And that can happen. And Clampett is in a very good spot, granted he doesn't wreck. Uh, you know, because he's he's an extra 14 points up the road from race, so 34 to the cut line. He's in a really good spot. Again, not 45, but if you can just maintain, he's fine. He can ride around in the back. Um, it's going to come down to, I mean, Davies, Vincent, Boland, they're all in the same boat. Uh, it just comes down to, does Ray stay out of trouble? And if Ray stays out of trouble and he can keep it close to 20, then the pressure is no is not on him. The pressure's on the other guys. Whereas if it was down towards 10 points, I think the pressure's on Ray not to lose it. If he can maintain, it's the other guys who are going to have to get creative. And again, at that point, you can win the race. Yeah, but if Ray even finishes 15th, you can't catch him, right? So um, Vegas, I think right now, more important than Talladega, just because it sets up what kind of complexion we're going to see uh, in that regular season finale. Right, how much uh, stress you may yeah. or may not have for Talladega, right? And and that it can be, you know, way stressed out. Don't worry, we'll have the live points. So if you want to know how close it is at Dago, we'll know. And I'm sure the guys on the teams will be relaying that information uh, to their drivers if they have the points race. But, uh, you know, we've been hyping up Talladega. I know that Vegas isn't going to be a, a crazy show. It could be. I mean, hey, you never know. Um, but yeah, Vegas, far more important than Talladega. That needs to be your concern because it's going to dictate uh, how many gray hairs you have going into that uh, last race of the regular season because 10 points, like I said, anything can happen. You get to 15 or 20. I think the onus is on not only do those guys behind you have to run top five, top 10, but they also need you to wreck. And the chance of both of those happening slimmer than, you know, I finish at the back of this pack. They just squeak it out. So Vegas is going to be huge. All right. Two weeks from now, September 23rd. Well, not now, but Tuesdays on our regular night. So don't forget, folks. Yeah, we're staying with our uh, our normal Tuesdays. So uh, it is the, uh, as you mentioned, the 22nd, I think, for Vegas. And then, yeah, so we're, we're going to... Uh, basically every week minus one. So Vegas is going to be the 22nd. Uh, we're going to be racing the week after that on the 29th. And then we'll talk in between, I'm sure on the podcast. And then we have a week off and then we go playoff racing uh, for four straight weeks, October 13th at Charlotte, the 20th at Kansas, the 27th at Texas, and then our finale at Homestead on Tuesday, November the 3rd, uh, which then that highlight uh, one hour kind of abbreviated broadcast will be shown on NBCSN uh, the week following. So uh, it gets intense. You know, you don't have that, two weeks off to practice and you know be all cute about the setup and you know cross the t's and dot the i's it's going to be a, a mad dash to the end here well i didn't realize it was going week to week but uh, yeah, yeah it's, looking it's big and that it. was because of tv but we're keeping it with it when we move it to tuesday so um if you count if we ignore the week off and let's count vegas uh our last you know six races of the year uh, are all within seven weeks. So if you're a fan of the Coke series, you're not going to be uh, deprived of content because it'll be coming fast and furious. Well, thank you, Evan Pasoko, for coming on and talking to us about the Coke race. Uh, we uh, loved it this week, and uh, we look forward to Vegas. Yep, we'll see everybody there on the 22nd. All right, thank you. Final time in three and four. Comte drives it in. He's not going to be able to pull it out as he slides. And King and Leahy, a three-time winner in 2020, gets it done at Darlington. All right, cool. Uh, let's jump into what is it, week 14 and why? Well, it's the release notes, Brian. 
tell us, uh, start us off. All right, guys. Uh, so everybody knows this is the big week where uh, everything drops. Week 14, usually it's third. Yeah, we had the extra week this time. So um, some of the highlights coming up on this uh, build are, uh, of course, the Chevy uh, Corvette the C8R GTE, uh, the Delera uh, P217, that's the LMP2 car. Uh, the new tracks are Crandon International Raceway, that's the uh, pro truck track, uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway, and Weed Sports Beef Speedway. Um, there's some new driver customizations, and we talked about this last week, the environmental sounds, you know, the background sounds that they're putting in. Uh, NASCAR tracks have uh, implemented a pit-in and pit-out lights. Um, there's new tire cap compounds for the uh, McLaren MP4. You know, we talked about those as well, the, uh, the different tire compounds you can pick from, hard, soft, and medium. Uh, uh, you can declare team driver systems. Uh, Let's stop there and talk upgrades. about that a little bit. Okay. Um, David, this is sure. pretty cool, I thought. Did you read about it? Yeah, we've wanted something like this for a long time. I know that it present it trades off because you have the issue of, well, what if somebody has an emergency? But um, you now have to declare who's going to race on the team for the race. Uh, and so you can't have somebody who's a 1500i rating register and and then not run the race and have a team of all 6k drivers uh, sandbag and, and get down in a lower split. So basically, when you go in and build your team on the iRacing site, where you have a list of your names, you have to kind of like check mark who's going to be in the car before the race starts, right? Correct. Pretty cool uh, workaround on that. Uh, a couple of our teammates, too, about the other items that Brian just mentioned, I want to bring up um, the McLaren with the new tires. Greg was saying that he's excited about that, and he wants to try the to run the F1 car this season. Yeah, I believe he's already tried it out. Um, a lot of us are pretty excited about that Delara coming out as well. Um, Adam, I know, has bought the Corvette and plans to do a lot of road racing. I'm probably going to still – I'm going to play around in the Corvette and the Ferrari in IMSA, but I'll probably keep the LMP1. There were some really nice changes on the LMP1, too, that some of my LMP teammates are pretty excited about. I got to experience the uh, environmental sounds when I was running the Legends car at da uh, Daytona last night. You could hear the uh, announcer and the crowd, and it was pretty cool. It was, it's a nice uh, little uh, update. Now, that brings a question because, I mean, I know I was only in a race for three laps, but last night I couldn't hear anything. Was that a, is that a sound setting, or do you also have to have the crowd on? So when I hear, said I heard it, that was when I was, like, on the camera. I was out of the car. And I was like on a pit lane camera. You could really hear it. But when I was in the car, I couldn't hear anything. That may have been why. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I didn't hear anything in car either. I'll, I'll pay a little bit more attention when I'm, when I'm looking at the car from outside, you know. I do my sound a little different than most. But um, so it, it's possible I, I might not even be able to hear it the way I have things set up. But uh, so, yeah, right. go ahead. There's been some. Uh, Going on into some of the other highlights, there's uh, some upgrades to the paint shop, uh, including a particularly, uh, I don't think we're going to dive into all the details, so we're just going to kind of hit the highlights. It uh, looks like um, there's a couple more surface options on the, the wheels, including the brushed uh, metal, which is brushed kind of semi-reflective. Yeah, it's kind of a brushed mat, uh, brushed aluminum kind of look that I go with on a lot of my paints now. So I'm looking forward to that, having that option instead of the pure gloss. And you can pick your face now and your body type. Now the body type is basically 
male or female. And obviously the difference is breast on the front, but otherwise the body looks the same. I was kind of hoping for a, a body with a beer belly, but uh, nope. So there's no Tony Stewart option. Right. And then you, there's a face option where you pick, uh, you know, your complexion, so to speak. Um, you know, the kind of the color of your skin. And, um, you know, there's about nine or 12 choices or something. And I picked one I thought was close to what I look like, but it doesn't really look like me. I haven't really looked at it, but they've added into the to the UI, not beta UI, but the UI, um, a league sessions view. If you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> we may we may dive into the details on on the UI here in a second. Uh also, there's a cha- there's been a change to the game time yield updates. Uh, particularly, it'll start giving you a countdown on how long you have to serve the penalty, so you don't have to kind of guess. Aha! Uh-huh. And the new AI, uh, five new AI racing track configurations, and AI drivers are now utilizing defensive driving and damage model for the global uh, MX5 Cup car, and then other updates on the damage model system as well. Yeah, they haven't really had much to say about the cup car lately. So um, I'm curious when that will come back out. Yeah. yeah. The end of Coke season, I would imagine, to, to implement that be my guess. They don't want weird stuff showing during the broadcast, so let's just wait till it's over. We'll be yeah. done in seven weeks, like Evan said. Yeah, it's not too far off. The whole thing is not too far off. I mean, we're what, in the ni- final nine weeks of NIS as well. Wow, it's really coming down to the end here. Uh, Extensive tire damping updates as well on a bunch of cars. So I think the big thing that people are going to notice is the the beta UI. um, Well, basically, they've neutered the website, the front page of the website. Um, All the menus are gone, and they have basically a bunch of links to the beta UI. Now, if you click like down where your friend, where you have the green dot in the bottom right, where your friends list is, that'll take you to a page where you can see the original menus and website like it used to be. And uh, most everything is there except for the time trials and uh, a couple other things. So don't fret if you get on that homepage and you're like, what do I do? Just click over and get on one of the other pages and everything, all the buttons are there. They only neutered that front page. And one thing you can still do to save a lot of clicks is if you are in one of the official series that you like to run uh, and you click on the sessions up in the kind of upper left tab uh, and it'll and you make sure that it actually has a four-digit number on the far on, at the end of your URL, if you bookmark that, you can use that bookmark to go straight to that division or that series's sessions page and skip all the clicking, not have to scroll through the long list of, of series and everything. Uh, so that option is still there. If you go that way, it still looks like the old site as well. We'll talk some more about the beta UI later in the show, um, but we'll keep going through these release notes. Uh Let's see if there's some other stuff. They did some stuff to dirt where the water content and the dirt track layers below the surface has been adjusted to account for water running downhill along the hard pan. And so I want to see how that affects dirt. Uh, We talked about AI, um, a bunch of changes on that, trying to make it better. Yeah, and it looks like they've added um, three three, uh, oval tracks 
to the uh, to the AI racing lineup. So now you can race at Iowa, uh, North Wilkesboro, and Phoenix Raceways. Um, they're uh, up up to this point. The AI racing oval list was pretty short, so it looks like they're starting to expand that to some point. Okay, and let's see what else. Um, audio road debris sounds have been added. You'll now hear car parts colliding and scraping on the track, walls, and other cars. Uh, there's a new volume slider called In-Car Sound Balance. This has been added to the audio options. This slider lets you turn the volume of tune the volume of your own car's sound when you're in the cockpit relative to the other sounds in the world, such as your opponent's engines. That's a nice touch. So you can really dial in your sound. Like the way I do it is I have the engine sounds out speakers and then have all voice stuff through my headphones. And we already talked about the environmental sounds. This one I found particularly interesting next down on the list was the pit stop. Uh, they've increased the timeout on the fuel man, which may solve an issue where the car fails to get fuel during a pit stop. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, you've had that two weeks in a row where it wouldn't fill well, the yeah. car. It happened twice, actually, between before the before the last podcast. Yeah, it just didn't fill the car, and I did not uncheck it. So, yeah, hopefully that's what my issue was. New hats on the pit crew. Uh, what else here? Some track characters. It says some level of detail settings have been adjusted to provide smoother visual trans transitions as the camera changes distances from track marshals, photographers, race officials, and Barney, the legendary flagman. Spotter, a new French spotter pack has been added. Allons-y. <laughs> Italian, too, right? How about this one, uh, spectators? Some additional race control information is now available for event spectators that was not being sent before, including course flags and session timers. So now you can see when it goes yellow if you're spotting. Looks like uh, they've uh, added the uh, latest True Force uh, wheels, uh, the G. 923, the Logitech new wheel. They've uh, added the support for all that um, in the controller section. You have to go in and check mark that you have a true force wheel, I guess. They have moved the telemetry to a separate thread on CPUs that will then what is uh, the physics thread, and hopefully that can avoid some issues that might be causing stuttering. <clears throat> and if you remember last week, we talked about the Logitech. Uh, backlight on their keyboards on their backlit keyboards uh that still has not uh they still haven't fixed that bug yet uh so that was uh, uh gonna have happen later apparently and then updates to the cars i mean i'm looking through the road cars right now guys tons of changes here all setups uh just lots of little things you know yeah, we've already talked about the two new cars and effectively the McLaren. I would, I'm just going to go ahead and call the MP430 also a new car. They've done so much to it. Uh, they automated the deployment system on it, uh, giving you a lot more options, and but also improved its autom automatic uh, control. Uh, you have the three compounds. Uh, basically a new car. Uh, also, the I believe both of the LMPs, basically have a new tire somebody was swearing up and down in the past that they had already been moved to the new tire but there's been some changes and uh, one of my one of uh, the guys that i run some of the endurance stuff with was really happy with them says it feels more realistic i heard good things about the gte cars because uh, they got an updated tire model like the ferrari and the ford i haven't tried it myself uh the mazda mx5 cup also got updated tire 
Yeah, the description on one of the uh, other shows that that covers the service discussed or mentioned that there should be more um, middle ground when selecting which side of which whether you want to go stiff or or not stiff or any any of the options that you might go with there should be more viable middle grounds instead of everybody just having to take it all the way to the max stiffness or the max uh softness and so on i want to uh stop here on the 87 cup car uh they increased the damping tire damping by 70 percent to reduce the rolling and bouncing that sometimes occurs with a stiff front suspension tire rubber properties have been adjusted slightly stagger has been increased ballast movement range has been opened third gear ratio changed low end torque has been increased drafting parameters slightly updated and yeah we'll talk more about the 87 cup car later in the show too what about the regular um, cup car yeah, I was just going to say, in the regular cup cars, they've added the, a high downforce package at the Daytona road course. So um, I'm assuming that's going to be a little bit more stable to drive on the road course uh, when you're doing the NASCAR Cups there. Well, and they also, I noticed, did the same thing with the tire damping that they did to the 87 car uh, and adjusted the tire rubber properties. But it also said longitudinal and lateral toe compliance has been updated. So I ran the cup car today and I didn't, you know, think it felt any different than it did before the build. Yeah, but the so 87 that, car is a much different story. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Okay, what else do we have in the notes, guys? Is there anything else? Uh, it just goes over the details of the new tracks, which, uh, you know, Weed Sport, that's a, that's a rally car track, isn't it? Dirt Oval. It's a Dirt Oval. Weed Sports, the Dirt Oval. One of them was a, one, was a, a rally track. Crandon's the rally track. I'm going to yeah. buy that. I haven't bought it, but I am going to buy it probably this weekend. And then um, they actually did some changes to the Phoenix, to the old Legacy Phoenix. That's interesting. I didn't think they would actually do any support on the older tracks. So, I know, because we're waiting for them to build a new one there. But, of course. Uh, yeah. Of course, we got the new Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. So um, that one's a new track. Yep. All right, let's keep moving. Let's talk, Brian, about the iRacing Petit Le Mans. Le Petit Malin. Uh Yeah, so uh, uh, Greg West announced in the forums that, that there's going to be a Le Petit Le Mans, which is a 10-hour endurance race that's held annually at Roto Atlanta in, uh, in Georgia. And it's a marquee IMSA WeatherTech uh, Sports Guard Championship event. So um, they're going to be running this between October 2nd and 4th. There's two time slots for it. There's a, uh, a Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And there's also one at Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, nine, that's, I'm sorry, that's 9 a.m. Uh, the sessions are going to be a 30-minute warm-up with a 15-minute or four-lap qualifying. Uh, the race is 10 hours. So, yeah, so uh, that's coming up. It should, should be fun. Uh, and uh, I guess that's going to be used in the new cars, I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah it looks like so. it's uh, – yeah, it's, it does have the Chevy Corvette in there and the uh, LMP, too. So it'll be using the new cars as well. Okay, so that's uh, October 2nd through 4th. Next up is, uh, hey, that's not a shifter, is it? We got a form post by Nicholas Orth. He noticed that his in-car camera in the NASCAR Toyota Camry uh, 
when he pointed it at the gear shifter where he could see it, it was kind of missing from the cockpit and had been replaced with what appears to be a Raybestos brake caliper. Nick Leap from iRacing responded, that is weird, and uh, we'll get the proper shifter put in. But there's a screenshot, and sure enough, uh, you look at where the shifter is, and it, yeah, you can see Ray Bestos right on the side of the brake caliber. Yeah, that's, that is really weird. I, I don't even, I can't even com- contemplate how that could happen. Yeah, how did that happen, <laughs> so, right? It's, those code errors can sneak in. And speaking of sneaking in, uh, it looks like Jimmy Broadband or Broadbent got to sneak into a couple of the cars early, according to the forum. According to this forum post, he was streaming some of the content before the re- release date, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see access to the actual stream on the forum post, uh, and then it just goes into a, a a bunch of rambling about people kind of joshing with each other. But that's interesting. That's kind of a good idea, and I'm sure they have some people beta testing them too. However, I wonder if there's any kind. You know, I know the beta testers have uh, NDAs, so I hope he didn't break his NDA. If he's one of the beta testers. No, I think iRacing approved of it because they actually retweeted his initial, hey, I'm going to be streaming this. And so they were in on it, it appears. Um, I saw the video on, I think, YouTube after it was over. And it was a four-hour video of him running these two cars. That's good promotion then. Yeah, I thought it was a neat idea. And it, it gave people an idea, you know, a time to see those cars when we wanted to see them, you know, before the release. Yeah, it gives a, gives a little taste of that thing, makes you wet, wet your appetite, makes you want to buy it a little bit more, maybe, yeah. So it uh, looks like this next one is a uh, listener submission. So so that's really cool. So listener Scott Ebersol, he submitted a link to us to what they, is called the iRacing Weekly Planner. It's a site that lets you refine the iRacing we- weekly races into a more manageable list that customizes your preferences, such as what your favorite series, favorite tracks, favorite cars, and license restrictions and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really neat website. And... Uh, you can really customize it to you, to your, to you, uh, to your preferences, and it's it's apparently it's going to be updated each week with the new tracks that come out each week, and uh, it's it's kind of what I almost wish that you could do on the website on the uh, old user interface, I guess, but uh, but we're never able to do you know kind of clear out some of the junk that you didn't really weren't interested in to make it a little easier for you to plan your week out. What a yeah beautiful interface this website is you know if you go to the official racing guide or or the unofficial racing guide it just it has about the same options yeah so it's got uh, i'll describe it for our listeners uh this website is iracing-week-planner.tmo.lol and there's check marks along the left that are easily accessible for oval road dirt rally and then license a b c d and so forth uh, official, unofficial, open or fixed, and then content. Do I own it or not? And then favorites. And so you can, with all these different check marks, you check which ones you want, and then it presents uh, uh, basically a weekly planner of races in you know order based on date and start time. Yeah, and a lot of the same options are on the find official races page. Uh, I think the biggest thing is having the unofficial option i don't think that shows up when you go to find official races right and with the whole user interface thing you know kind of two different ways of doing it 
this is kind of timely. <laughs> you know, people might gravitate to a website like this. Like, I want to plan out what I'm going to race, but I don't want to be in the beta UI to do it. Well, can you actually use it to join the race, though? No. No, I don't think you can. That's it's just actually, yes, you just... can. If you we got a link, if you click on the little link icon on the far right, it takes you to series sessions, which is the same bookmark I was telling everybody about earlier. Ah, perfect. Okay, so yeah, it's even better than I thought. Hey, eh? now there is some setup to this. You have to go in on uh, at the top under set my tracks and set my cars and check mark which ones you actually own, so the website knows. Now we've talked about this a long time ago, but. Uh, Scott obviously understands that it's a timely to bring this up again. Very cool. Uh, you get a link on our show notes. Next up is the uh, uh, a preview video of that glo uh, Global Mazda MX-5 Cup new damage model. And uh, this was kind of interesting video to check out, uh, showing the, the Mazdas basically getting pretty tore up. Little one-minute yeah, video. Really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, you could tell a lot of times they're purposely crashing, so it's not. It doesn't look like too many like actual racing racing incidents that you would normally see, but uh, but the, the actual deconstruction of these cars and in, in these accidents is pretty impressive. Yeah, to see the hood come off or the the whole front clip, so to speak, or the the bumper, uh, or the wheels, you know, getting all cockeyed or even coming completely off. But a good highlight reel of what the da new damage model is capable of. Uh, they, they don't mess around. They show a bunch of different wrecks uh, right on top of each other. So you get a really good feel of it. So we're, we're, we're kind of in the younger side of, you know, figuring out how to develop our setups. I can adjust a setup. I can't build one from scratch. Uh, and I probably should try using this, this, soft, this uh, website as I'm trying to build a setup. Um, it's called the setup development guide and it's basically a setup of questionnaires it's supposed to help you actually help actually walk you through the process of tweaking a setup yeah so i clicked on it and uh it's got a, a thing that you go through like go to spring setup uh you click on it and it tells you, you know hey here's what we're going to cover and then uh and you go through it so i on the spring setup the very first thing i look at is does the car bottom out and I can feel if the car is really bottoming out, but when we look at the telemetry on VRS, I'm struggling to identify it in in the ride height, you know, where, where it's really hitting or if it's just barely kind of scraping. Yeah, simracing-setupguide.com. Check it out. I, I'm a little, I'm not into setups very much, so it's kind of over my head. So it looks like we have a second uh, listener submitted uh, Lovely. Uh, item item for us. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so this is from a uh, show listener, uh, Daniel Coxon. He shared a video uh, that he put on YouTube, and it highlights a few clips from over the years of his iRacing. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good video. I'm assuming that uh, he did all the editing and stuff like that. It's, it's really well done. Um, it has a uh, it's it's done to the uh, song of uh, a remix of Michael Jackson's "Beat It," <laughs> but it's it's really well done. It looks like he highlights the uh, Australian supercars quite a bit on it. I guess that might be his uh, his car of choice, but it's uh, really well made, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the shout out from Daniel. It's uh, yeah, Michael Jackson, but as electronic dance techno kind of mix and a remix, so to speak. And I love the video editing style that he uh, put together here. 
um, lots of different colors and then go, uses black and white and uses slow motion, um, regular speed, all kind of mixed together uh, with quite quite a few different highlights. Uh, but like you said, mostly the supercar, but there are some other cars and different things in here. But uh, nice video, Daniel. Check him out on YouTube, Daniel Coxon, C-O-X-O-N. Great video. So uh, another video is posted by uh, iRacing uh, this week leading up to the build. And this one was the onboard for the LMP2 uh, Delara around Imola, Daytona, and Lime, Lime Rock Park. And so they uh, just threw up a video of somebody taking laps just so, you know, you could hear the car and just uh, see what it looks like. Yeah, and this was another teaser that they released uh, before the new build came out. So you could really, uh, uh, you really get you excited about the new car. It's 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 fantastic, man. These the iRacing always does great jobs on their videos, and this is no exception. I gotta say again, I'm I'm super stoked that they put this in the IMSA class or the IMSA division instead of just just the WEC because uh, it's gonna be nice even if if you if you stay in one of the other classes it's gonna be nice to actually have three classes running the races again instead of just uh, almost all GTEs and a few GT3s and two Delaras out there it'll be popular too I mean there'll probably be a lot of people running it oh quite a bit right speaking of one of the other cars that's probably in a little bit popular lately there's a new California clash coming up which is accepting entries it's a special event that's celebrating the 30th anniversary of Days of Thunder. Uh, shall we say infamous or iconic? One of the two. Uh, it's featuring the 87 Monte Carlo and Ford Thunderbird at Auto Club Speedway. And they're going to have a series of heat races and a last chance qualifier to grid the lat 24 of the drivers. And then there's also 20 f invited starters. Right, like famous people kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it starts around um, September 17th, going through the 19th is when all of the heat races will be, as well as the, the LCQ is on the 19th. And we have a link, or if you go to their forums, it's basically actually a Google form that you can apply. Yep. And so I don't know exactly who the celebrity racers are, but uh, or who's actually behind this, but it uh, should be an interesting uh, event. Yeah, I, I had trouble finding any any of the twenty invited drivers that they have going. Um, I did see uh, Malik Ray uh, was in it. I don't know if he's qualifying rounds or if he was one of the uh, invited guests or not. But yeah, he, he he's the only name that I saw that was uh, currently attached to this. At this uh -huh, I found some names. Okay, so if you look on their Twitter and you go back in time, you can see they've been uh, announcing. So I'm going to read off some of them I see here. Um, so first of all, they have an announcing team of Bob Jenkins, Alex Hayden from MRN, and Justin Prince. Uh, it's a $10 entry fee. Um, and I see that they've asked uh, Casey Kerwin to join them, Anthony Alfredo, <clears throat> Bobby Labonte, Trevor Perry, Malik Ray. I don't know who that is. Landon Huffman. And then Bernard Pollard is uh, also, I think, there. If they're listening, they need to get an invite out to Elliot as well, Sadler. Though he's been, I know he's been pretty busy with his baseball team. He he coaches uh, Little League, and they're right in the middle of playoffs at the moment. I would guess Landon Castle's behind this, but it's hard to say. Because we haven't heard from Landon for a while, so. 
Yeah, and he pulled off that uh, that race at Daytona. Firecracker. Really well. Yeah, the firecracker. That was great. Yeah, this is very similar, but California. So, so I wonder if any uh, uh, any uh, actors will be in there from the movie. Wouldn't that be cool? Tom there Cruise be in it, maybe. So this is big news, Brian. This next one, I didn't see this coming. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, it came out in a, in a uh, release uh, written by Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi. Um, Bianchi. Uh, they reported that NASCAR has submitted plans to convert the California Speedway to become a half-mile short track. So they're going to take that big, wide, D-shaped oval of California and cut it down to a half-mile track. Now, if you remember, there was some talk earlier in the year that um, they were thinking about getting rid of the track completely so this might have been their compromise to cut down a lot of the space that this track takes up to use some of it for some other things and uh and keep a track at the site right keep the date and keep the the market so to speak but uh yeah i don't know i I mean i like california speedway i'm a little dismayed by this but uh initially it would just come out that you know this this was happening but then earlier today, uh, we heard that from Steve Myers uh, from iRacing that, um, and Jeff Gluck wrote an article about it on theathletic.com just today, that uh, NASCAR and iRacing actually built this brand new track, this half mile, tr- half mile track in iRacing and have tested it before they even submitted the plans uh, for change. And this is another first uh, for iRacing. So iRacing is now the AutoCAD for NASCAR. What a yeah, great a idea, to, though. That's a good way to, to just it, see, yeah. you know, if it does it work. Can they get up to fourth gear before they have to, you know, slow down again, you know? And, and just the most basic things is, is the, you know, track viable. Well, we, I mean, at the Daytona Roval, we immediately found out how horrific it would be to be slowing down from those higher speeds with those small brakes. Uh, that's why they had they figured out basically through iRacing they're going to need to put that chicane in. Yeah, so uh, NASCAR and iRacing built and tested the new Auto Club Speedway track is the name of the article. Um, and I'm going to read the first part of it because you have to pay to have a, to read the whole thing. It says, the phone call came to iRacing in April. It was Ben Kennedy, former racer and NASCAR vice president of racing development, asking... Uh, Steve Myers, if he was interested in an unprecedented assignment NASCAR wanted to undertake. Using iRacing's virtual track building tools, would Myers and his team assist NASCAR in configuring the real-world redesign of Auto Club Speedway? The result, converting the Speedway from a two-mile track into a half-mile high-banked short track, as first reported by The Athletic on Tuesday. And uh, I think I think from what I saw in some some plants they had, you know, they're trying to keep that front straightaway and in, in like that curve that uh, that D curve that uh, Auto Club has at, currently. So it's not going to be like a completely straight front stretch. You really don't see that on any of the other short tracks in NASCAR. They're usually pretty pretty straight. You know, Bristol and Martinsville, they're just yeah. straight straight lines there. You do at Richmond and Memphis. Those are more D shaped. That's true, but they're they're a little bit bigger, but not that much, I guess. So this has a paperclip look to it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be be a you know real sharp turns, high Martin banks, Phil, but but with banking. 
that's the way I, I saw it from the drawing I saw. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So initially, I put this on the on the show because, hey, you know, they're going to change California. We probably won't be racing that configuration because we're going to have to rescan it and have the half mile. But then today we hear that, you know, iRacing is the one who actually designed it. They already have it in the can. <laughs> well, I'm sure they would actually scan the, the actual surface. The real rate, yeah. Once it's, once it's down because cause it's going to have a character that can't be simulated. The bumps. Scanning the character, yeah. Yep. And so I guess they would call that a rebuild. I don't know. Yeah, it's another first. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, another preview video came out, uh, the Corvette. Uh, video and they were just all over it with these videos and kept us very busy throughout the week but it was an onboard uh of the corvette which uh tom dryling told us he just absolutely fell in love with after one lap i tell you what another thing is going through some of the forums and some of the other uh, things i'm associated with i've never seen so many people put out car paint schemes for this car so quickly i mean everybody's really digging this car i think and uh want to paint it up the way they want uh, and they got the t templates out early enough so they could get it ready. We've had the Ford for a while, but other other than that, most of the road cars have been, uh, you know, not American-based companies. So this, I'm sure, excites a lot of the American road racers. Iconic brand. Uh, yeah, we definitely love our Corvette. We were just talking about scanning equipment and uh, basically sort of had a paparazzi sighting of a van that's fitted with laser scanning equipment at Watkins Glen, reported by member John Joseph Garcia. He says he can't confirm that it actually was at the track and there's no uh, there's no iRacing label in the van or something, but uh, you know, it just, it stokes the hopes that we may get an update with Watkins Glen at some point. I bet it's not iRacing with the Corona and everything and at New York, they, they're not going to New York right now. Well, it is upstate and uh, so they they could actually, where are they? Delaware or New Hampshire? That's not that too far from New York. They wouldn't. They could go do that without even getting a hotel. Yep. So um, this was on Reddit. Actually, is where he initially found it. There's no picture at all. It just says, "Hey, we saw a white van with laser scanning equipment fitted to it." And then somebody pointed out that iRacing doesn't scan with equipment rigged to vehicles. Sounds like you saw a Google Street View van. <laughs> that could be. Who knows? That's funny. All right, guys. So uh, we're starting to get to the fun stuff now. Um, I recently posted a video on their YouTube channel giving you a introduction to the new racing UI. This is a short video. It goes over some uh, basics on their uh, their their new UI system. Um, Gives you some good pointers, I think, to get you started into it. But yeah, it, it definitely doesn't go into the kind of detail that that uh, most of the people are going to be wind up needing. So maybe there's more videos to come. But uh, especially especially with some of the uh, some of the people having difficult time switching over this uh, new UI. So I guess this is a start for for them to start reaching out and saying, here here's how do you use our system now. Well, they made a new dashboard that is different when you first open it, where it has buttons on the right, big old buttons to get you to certain places like official or 
league or uh, paint, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you can still pull up the menus on the left that were there before, but they kind of are hidden. You have to click a button to bring them up and and so forth. But they got tabs along the top, which would take you to various places. So it's just an introduction to that. Uh, I don't know if this softens the blow a little bit of the, of the switch for some people. I don't think it did. Yeah, I don't think so just yet. Like I said, it's it's not detailed enough to really walk you through the whole thing. You know, it's it's really just kind of an overview of the dashboard layout stuff. And while we're on the topic, I'm going to kind of jump ahead to one of the other uh, stories I have listed here. Um, I posted my thoughts about the new UI because I've been reading the forums to see what the feedback is. Um, and the feedback in general is not great. I mean, there's some people that like it, but most people don't. And it's for a variety of reasons, but I think I, I wanted to point out my reason. So I'm just going to point out what I said. And I sat down for a minute and I said, okay, what do I do on the website if I'm not racing that I sit down at the website and do? Maybe on my iPhone uh, or if I'm at my computer. What is it that, what is a normal little task? so to speak. And I wanted to see if I could recreate that task in the new UI or not, and how fast was it. So I decided to look up where do I stand in points in NIS. So I actually went into the UI and I took a really good shot looking for points, and I literally couldn't find it. And David, I think I, I asked you if you could look and see if you found it, and you couldn't find it either. Nope. Basically, there's not a stats option, I guess, at least in, from the series page. So maybe I just picked the one thing that they forgot to put in the beta UI. I don't know. But um, I do know on the website, I can click once, just one click, and get to my stats for that, for that season. Uh, one mouse click. Um, how about some other information? Like, I just want to know about the uh, NIS. Like, I want to look at the schedule and see what's next week. What's the track next week? Simple question, right? So I click on the official racing button in the new dashboard they have and presented a grid that shows a bunch of different, you know, racing. Uh, <clears throat> but they don't put the name of the series on the grid if they have more than one car. They get rid of the name of the series and they put it has three cars. But if you hover over the logo, it shows you the name of the series. So you have to take your mouse and hover over the logo just to see every little name of every series. Now, if you don't recognize the logo, it's quite cumbersome. So I took two simple things. I wanted to see what the race is next week, and I wanted to see where I am in points. And the UI failed, failed, failed. And I can't say it any nicer than that. It's a crappy UI. They would be better off just doing a carbon copy of what the website currently is and putting it in the UI. If they did that, they would solve 90% of people's gripes with this, with this thing. Yeah, and I don't think it's just a matter of getting used to something new. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of people have difficulty with change that they've been using for some people, you know, 10, 10 11 years. But it's just, it's not that it's, different it's diff more difficult it's worse and that's the thing it's not yeah, it's not yeah. as different it's worse than it was before and it's supposed to be better right maybe that's not the goal is to make it better yeah. you know 
Well, if something, I don't know why if, that if something like being able to look up the stats is missing, that's that's not something that's a small deal. That's something that probably most people should be interested in looking at, right? The standings for a series. I can't even see what the race is next week. I mean, for them to take it out of beta UI and to get rid of the name beta with these kind of obvious holes that, and you can go through the forum posts and you can read page after page after page of examples, like I just said, other people's examples of how, oh, I have to click 50 times to do what I have to click five times to do on the website. Now, I didn't have too much trouble finding the schedule. But that should have a stats page on that same page. I'm an old guy, and maybe it's a, you know teaching an old guy new tricks. But I'm not the only person saying it. So uh, yeah, they have a big hurdle. This is probably the most important project that iRacing has done because there's a lot of blowback really about this, and uh, a lot of people aren't liking it. Um, you know, and and I've said it before. I just think it's the way they're designing it. it you know, they need to they need to try something different. Okay, so I was jumping around a little bit. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, let's talk magic tires. This is a quick hit. Thomas George posted a picture in the forums of his Xfinity car after the build that seemed to be missing ti- tires, uh, wheels. Um, we don't have any responses from the staff yet. I think this was just earlier today. But uh, literally, his car is on the track with no wheels on it. You can see the brake calibers and everything. Yeah, hopefully he's able yeah. to replay in some logs, and uh, they'll they'll find it. You know, it's these bugs; they can sneak in, and we they have beta testers, but you never know what's really going to pop out there until you put it out in deployment. It makes you think that um, maybe uh, he ran out of tires on the tire limit, and then they took off the last set. Maybe didn't put on a new set. Maybe it has something to do with the tire limit rule. It may have something to do with the new tire graphic settings. So I'm assuming this car drove normally. It just didn't show the tires, I'm assuming. All right, visually. <laughs> I think, I think uh, I've, I've heard of a few bugs from uh, some friends with, uh, with this new release. So I'm sure that you're going to be seeing quite a few patches coming up, I'm, I'm sure. So they did make a huge GTE aero update for all of the GT cars, particularly of the Le Mans class. Um, the Greg Rest posted there's changes where the downforce drag balance sensitivities to ride heights, yaw steer, and other settings are going to change and improve the drivability of the cars. And they made a lot of these changes based on real world data. So I'll let you know how that goes over the next season. He does say that most of the setups are no longer going to be optimized. So enough Pharaoh change, you got to redo your setups. That's what he's saying. Yep. Okay, real quick, uh, there was also a video from Crandon uh, about the Crandon International Raceway they dropped as well. So they put out videos of all the new content. And then I want to talk about the 87 uh, stock car. Uh, There's a lot of chatter in the forum since the update about the 87 stock car uh, that not a lot of people are happy with the updates. Um, uh, One of the threads was called RIP, rest in peace. But... uh, we did hear from Matt Holden, who uh, from the staff, uh, about some of the changes, and he said they didn't really change the car. They uh, updated the setups. Uh, they changed the tire a little bit, and they changed the low-end torque, uh, like we read in the release notes. But 
Um, a lot of people are saying this car kind of drives more like the A car now. When we're running it at Daytona last night, it's like a pack racing when before it really wasn't because the car was so hard to drive. Now, I, I drove it, and it was easier to drive than it used to be, but I don't... I, did, I thought the changes were okay. I didn't. I wasn't complaining about them. But there's a lot of people in the forums that are complaining about it, and they're like, "Put it back the way it was," and da 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 da, you know, and uh, that kind of thing. And they're saying that the car is ruined and so forth. So I'm sure that they'll they'll adjust. Matt Holden has a good reply on here, though, that they basically have gotten the mo the main changes. They've gotten better at building the setups for the car, um, and this is something you're going to run into in any fixed series, um, which is one of the one of the things that started to kind of push me away from fixed series. Fixed setup doesn't necessarily mean the it's who's the best driver. It means who's the best driver in that set. All right. So if I if I like a looser car. I'm not going to be good if this, if every one of the fixed setups is crazy tight. Some driver who's particularly more comfortable in those tight cars is going to have an advantage. Uh, there's been controversies in leagues that use custom fixed setups if the person creating the setup is in the race because that setup is going to be probably to his or his teammates' liking, right? Uh, that's the that's just something you're going to run into with fixed setups. So. Not everybody is ever going to be happy with a fixed setup race, and something may that may seem easier is just because it's more suited to a certain driving style. Yeah, a uh, poster in the forums was Ty McQuitter, who's been around for nine years, and he says the car has been nerfed big time. What a bummer! What was once a really fun car has been stripped of that, uh, and what made it a lot of fun. Really hope iRacing considers backpedaling on some of the changes made. But I tried to run the, that car three or four times last night. I kept getting wrecked out, but because I wanted to see what all what all the hubbub was about. Because I actually saw on Twitter a lot of people complaining about the car, and that's like, well, I got to go try it. But um, but the, the few laps I did get in, it seemed to be okay. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in favor of making a car difficult to drive just for the sake of making it difficult to drive. You know, I mean if. I'd, I'd rather them just try to get as close to real life as they can. Now, again, we're dealing with a car, you know, that's that's got it's a few years old that they don't really have uh, anything to test it out with, other than in in uh, in a simulation. So, you know, my my contention would be just try to make it as close as it would really be in real life, you know, and go from there. Well, and that was part of the forum thread discussion was. Uh, hey, go look at the 87 race at Daytona in real life, and you'll see that they're not pack racing like we are this week. So there's definitely something not right if we're trying to match up to what real life is. And so uh, I, I think iRacing has some work to do there. Okay, show notes. We really don't have uh, our podcast housekeeping notes. Uh, don't forget our show notes. Uh, they're in the description of every podcast. There's a link uh, where you can get to the PDFs and get all of our different links. Don't forget we're on the Performance Motorsports Network. We're going to skip Fantasy because Tony's out buying a car and go right into hardware software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. So uh, we're starting this week with a company called Sim Projects. That's S-Y-M Projects. It's a uh, their website is simproject.com. It's a UK-based uh, web uh, 
company. And uh, they have some new gauges available. Um, these are, um, you can get them uh, as analog gauges or digital gauges. They run 87 for an analog and 104 for the digital gauge. Uh, they, they would probably just mount somewhere on your rig. Uh, but uh, I think that sounds like a pretty reasonable price wow, for what you're looking what, at here. That's what there I was, was thinking, a, Brian, is the price is amazing. I think I've seen these before, but they're like several hundred dollars. Yeah, now there is a controller that you have to buy that's not included in that price, but the controller wasn't, I thought it was like 30 or $40 maybe, something like that. But yeah, these are really good looking control, uh, gauges. And uh, man, that's if you're looking for gauges, I would definitely be checking this out. Again, it's simprojects.com and uh, take a look at what they got. It's, it's uh, really nice gauges. They have red and blue backgrounds, you know, with, uh, with, uh, the uh, red, uh, the limiter lights on them, and everything else. It's it's really nice looking gauge. And then not only this uh, tachometer, but speedometer. Uh, you got a water temperature gauge. Uh, there's even a fuel uh, gauge as well, and oil temperature. I mean, like you could get everything and like build a dash. Freaking cool! I love that one. Yeah, it's really cool looking. I just always laugh a little when we're talking about all the stuff that's you know visual out right in front of you, considering almost the whole team runs VR. Right, you wouldn't even see it. <laughs> that's a good point. Yep. Be nice for your uh, streaming. Yeah, if you had a secondary, like if you had a second camera for, over the shoulder or something, that would be pretty cool. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I really, I, you know, people don't really want to see my face anyway. Who cares? So I may actually move the camera to the other side of the chair. <laughs> Um, the next item on the list is the SimMagic Wheelbase and Wheels. It's an Instagram post featuring a nice-looking wheel and the SimMagic base, which includes wireless communication. These are the the ones that were manufactured over in China, aren't Hong they, Kong. Mike? Oh, is it Hong Kong? Okay. Well, some people say that counts as China. Um, so we've talked about the quality of them before, which is we don't know a whole lot. Uh, but if somebody on this side of the pond is promoting him now and supporting him this might be a good option as far as affordability goes yeah so this post was by nolan simulation and apparently they're selling these so since 2015 i, I have trouble finding their website though um so i don't know if they're just on instagram or what but it's n-o-l-i-n and he's saying he's selling these things so i think uh jeffrey ford feg is selling them in the u.s as well so there are options if you want to buy one of these wheels. The next thing we saw on Instagram was uh, Racebox has a new button box with 19 in-game inputs available. Uh, pretty cool looking. It's got the carbon fiber on the front, uh, some nice colors uh, with different kinds of switch, a, a push engine start as well as toggle, and then a brake bias, traction control, ABS knobs. I'm sure you could reprogram them to whatever you want, you know, because uh, there's no ABS on a cup car. Actually, there's no, most of the sports cars don't even have ABS unless you get onto the GT3. Yeah, so this is racebox.sim, and they are out of Mexico, actually. I don't really see how you mount that, though. Um, it's got the box behind it, but I don't see any issues with how you would put that on your rigs. Yeah, they don't really show the back very well. You probably definitely need a tray of some kind to mount the next item. Yeah, it's a 
the SimForce Engineering is testing the new design for their accelerator pedal, SimForce Engineering Mark I pedal with the optional curved aluminum pedal pad. So uh, they're testing this new pedal out. Uh, they're actually uh, they're looking for professional motorsports drivers to test the pedals. So uh, it's kind of interesting that the uh, you know they want to, apparently they want some people with some real life experience to, to test these pedals out. It's a looking pedal. It looks like it's spring loaded, uh, and uh, the pedal design is really nice. Looks solid enough, easy to mount. Yeah, SimForge underscore engineering and apparently they're going to be selling these pedals they look pretty good um you know with the spring I, they're not like hydraulic or anything like that but if you look I at their main any, page uh, uh, you can see their older pedals uh so this is a some kind of new design they're working on again i don't have prices on these these are like instagram finds so yeah yeah that's what i was going to say there's i don't i couldn't find any issue any pricing listed anywhere on this the next Instagram find is uh, Sim Wheel Designs put up their Porsche 911 GT3R wheel coming soon. And uh, it's uh, pretty loaded. It's got the nice Porsche logo right in the middle, but uh, it looks like a, you know, a replica kind of wheel. So another uh, coming soon product. So when we get a price and update on that, uh, we'll let you know what it is. But I imagine that you're going to be paying extra just because of the Porsche logo. Yeah, it seems like whenever they put their name on something, the price jumps up quite a bit. Okay. And now this wheel, we do have a price on, and this is one of the most expensive wheels we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, this one does have a price. It's the Precision Engineering GPX steering wheel, and that can be found at Precision uh, M Precision Engineering. Com. So this is a uh, formula wheel. Um, it's uh, listed at $23.99. So $2,399. Is that euros? That's not euros. Is That's pounds, right? Pounds, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I have to find out what the conversion is for that, but I'm sure it's not cheap. But uh, the wheel itself is fantastic looking. Uh, the, the buttons are all over the place. Um, it's got a LCD screen in the center of it. It's, better. Uh, you know, with, uh, with all your telemetry. Yeah. Right. The telemetry in there. And, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful wheel, but you're going to be paying for it if that's what you want. Precision sim engineering.com. Yeah. We've talked about this a long time ago, but it is one of the most expensive wheels you can buy and it looks pretty sharp. So we have, some motion rigs that have what four degrees of motion or freedom some that have the six right those kind of triangular mounts how about infinite degrees of motion how do you do that you make a circle and then just roll it around uh this is the nova it's, we got a link to this next motion rig and it's basically a ball and i assume that it's got some kind of track that or or wheel that just rotates in in three different locations and you can turn it in any direction uh pretty insane i'd love to check it out i'm really curious if you can actually completely strap into the seat and completely invert if you're like in a in a most a flight doing flight sim yeah or or if you roll your car right this is crazy so it, it, visually it's like a you know a, a vr you know driving you know rig cockpit inside this clear 
ball. And then the ball moves and can rotate, like you said, any direction, any way. So you see the guy in there driving, and the, the ball's kind of rolling around, depending on which way he's turning the wheel. It kind of reminds me of those balls in Jurassic World, where they're driving around the park in. It's it's all glass around the whole ball. It's it's pretty weird. The question is, you know, would everything have to be wireless that's inside of that ball? I mean, how do you get... Uh, there's got to get wires in there, right? How do you get power into it, right? Right, right. Even if the PC's in there, you had to have a power cord running to a PC. Right. Um, there's no 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 place for a monitor, so it's basically just designed for VR. But yeah, it's. I mean, if if you've solved the problem with getting getting power to all the, your equipment in there, uh, wow, it's pretty neat. That Can you were, imagine that, the that cost? Yeah, it's got to be expensive, and that very the wires may be the very thing that limits just how much it can actually really turn. You may only be able to turn a certain direction, a certain distance each direction before you hit a limit. You got to imagine the wires are coming up through the bottom because there's no other place where they could be. Um, and yeah, there's probably some limitation there. Right. So no inversions then. All right, we're going to hit one more uh, KMH simulation is out of Argentina. KMH simulation has formula-style wheels, keypads for Logitech, Thrustmaster, Fanatec, and Open Wheel. Um, and their website is KMH simulation, but with the Spanish spelling of simulation with a C. And uh, let's see, they got, uh, we saw this on Instagram, and they have this nice Ferrari wheel with a Ferrari logo. Their website doesn't appear to be working, for me anyway. I think it worked earlier in the week when I tried it. Yeah, I'm having trouble too. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, if you uh, in Argentina, you can get uh, SIM hardware from this company. Um, they have wheels, at least, for sale. Okay, so uh, with that, we're going to uh, jump to results. And that's going to be next. So let's talk first the... Uh, we are sponsored. Our results are by the Ucora 2020 Throwback Indie Series. Uh, they didn't run last week, but yes, they did. They did? Yeah, so we, who, were, we were at Pocono. Oh, that's right. Yep. Uh, you remember who got the poll? Uh, I'm afraid not. And uh, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't get an update from Scott, and I didn't ask him for an update. So I'll make sure I'll make sure and double up next week because we're running at Sonoma tonight, and I'll get I'll get both updates for next week. Sonoma. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be very good at Sonoma. So it's not too hard in a formula car. It's way different than driving in a in a cup car. Okay, maybe I'll start in the back. We'll see. But let's talk uh, NIS. Uh, let's finish up Darlington. It was a 100% race. Thursday fixed. Uh, Tom Dryling ran P3. A great run. Used a bit of strategy. Probably only fixed one. Uh, probably only fixed one I will do this week, you know, based on the 100%. Friday open, Tom also ran, he got a P8. Dang, qualified on the pole, had a fast hot rod, but a bunch of laps, speeding on pit road. Without it, probably would have won the race. That has been my week here in open. The car is great, driver makes a big mistake late. One more chance on Sunday. Tony was, Tony put in here wreckied. He said he tried to stay back, but on the long run, found himself within the top 10. 
Sixth place checked up right in front of him. He couldn't stop, and then he was rear-ended and front-ended into the wall. But he at least made it 80 laps. Okay, Sunday open. P14 top split, David. Uh, yeah, I'm not terribly great pace. I hit the wall far too many times. Um, it was a tough field, but a lot of people got wrecked out. I probably deserved a worse finish, but so many people didn't survive that I still snuck away with the 14th. Which is a good run for top split. Good points. Tony Rochette, P5, finally made it more than 80 laps. Screwed myself by passing the pace car under caution going into the pits as P1, mad face. And Tom Dryling, P7, top split, qualified ninth. Uh, he outran me. Uh, it was in, he, he had a fast car. He outqualified me as well. Um, spun early, no cautions, fell two laps down on the first run but due to his self-spin, which killed the tires. But he worked his way back up through the lead lap, and with the help of right timing on the cautions, he made, well, I guess, he, oh yeah, P7. So he was pretty happy with getting his first top 10 and top split, as far as I know. Oh, nice run for sure. So let's uh, switch gears to Richmond. Uh, Wednesday open, David uh, dunked on the lap three. Yeah, I was just trying to let the guys, it was top split. I was trying to let those guys who never qualify but are fast just blast by and I let off maybe just a little early and instead of the guy diving under me like I was expecting, he rear-ended me. So um, I don't think uh, if I'm like car 32 again and it's a car I don't or truck I don't feel comfortable with, I, I probably should just not qualify so that I can stay out of that situation. I mean, we talked right before the race too. Let these guys go. Let these guys go. You know. Well, I, that's the thing. I was. I was all the way up on the wall, on the straightaway, and I just let up just a, just a little bit earlier. And I guess I caught him surprised. He's not a dirt. He's not somebody that you would consider a just traditionally dirty racer. He's really clean. So I, I, I know he wasn't, you know, trying to die bombing or anything. So we'll call it an accident. Okay. Talk about accidents. Uh, I finished. Uh, no, I didn't finish. I wrecked out Wednesday open. I had a problem where I could not shift after a portion of the race. Um, so I actually came to a restart and normally I, I roll around in fourth. And then as I get, you know, ready to restart, I drop it down to second gear. Well, I went to put it in second. It wouldn't go in second. So I had to actually restart that restart in fourth gear. I survived that, and then on caution, I tried to fix it. I ended up losing a lap, uh, and so on the next caution, I ended up rebooting the wheel, which fixed the problem. But uh, after that, I got completely wrecked out in a wreck I didn't cause, and yeah, it was a bad night. Tony also ran on Wednesday. He had a P25, stayed clean for in the top 10 for over half the race till the cautions bred cautions, and he was doored, rammed, and walled in the last 50 laps, and then he blew up. Okay, and then I ran today, and boy, got a P10, but I had a hub issues again where I couldn't shift. Basically, my universal hub quit working. Um, the wheel still works where I could turn it, but the shifting and the buttons and everything stopped working. So I have a serious problem. Two races in a row this has happened where I have to get out of the car under caution and map the shifter to buttons on the keyboard and I have to shift with a freaking keyboard just to get through the race. So um, I actually lost spots dealing with that problem. Um, I Initially at the beginning of the race, I thought I had the problem and um, 
but I really didn't. I, did, I just panicked. And uh, But then later in the race, about three quarters of the race through, it happened again, and I had to go switch it to the keys. So I lost some spots. I've been, I was running 10th or so, and I ended up 10th. So pretty happy with that, considering the problems I've had. Uh, let's talk official. You know, the season wrapped up with uh, 13 weeks of racing. And I took a look at points and uh, what I ran in the sprint car, because I ran that most of the season. Uh, P10 in points, division two. Uh, there were eight weeks counted overall. Uh, it was really fun. I'm glad I ran it. I probably lost six or 700 I rating by running that. Uh, but uh, it's more, there's more to life than I rating. And I don't really care about I rating. And I think I'll continue to run the sprint car on Tuesday nights. Uh, that's a pretty fun uh, uh, car. NASCAR Legends, I finished 19th in points, Division Two. There were only nine weeks counted after drops. I had one win and 14 top spot fives. So pretty happy with my results. I thought I would do better in points actually in NASCAR Legends, um, but it's tough. There's a lot of good drivers in there. I'm kind of curious what will happen to the participation with the changes to the car too. Um, seems like there, there might be some changes. Yeah, there may be some people who go and some people who come, you know? Yeah. Uh, Brian, tell us about uh, league stuff. Yeah, guys. So uh, Monday night started the new season for the OBRLs in the ARCA series. Uh, it was a, a race at Daytona. I was really looking forward to it because I was racing it with uh, Tony Tony Groves and uh, Chris Scales. We were all together. We were uh, we had a we had a plan to work together, working out just like we were planned it out. We got to the first set of of. Uh, of pit stops, uh, hot pits, uh, and uh, we were in a gra group with a couple other cars, and uh, one of them was a rookie driver, and uh, he, going into the pit stalls, he slowed up on track rather than getting down below the yellow line before starting to slow up to get into the pits, and when he did that, he stacked up all three of us pretty much. I got I got a lot of front-end damage, so uh, I went into the pits, got it fixed, but I went a couple laps down. The race stayed green the entire way. That's a, not unusual for OBRL, OBRL race, uh, so it stayed green the whole way, so I stayed a couple laps down, finished DFL dead freaking last <laughs> p39 and it was terrible uh but i did have fun racing those guys up until that point so that was a uh, that was a uh, that was monday's race and then last night in the obr we did the truck race um this was uh atlanta uh i finished p13 in the race um uh, it was uh started off pretty good but our uh hit the wall in the trioval uh, and came right across my hood, smacked the front of my car. I got some damage. I was down about 500 RPMs, but I was able to just work my way through through the uh, through that damage, get some of it repaired, uh, and then uh, got a little lucky with a with a yellow flag that I was I stayed out, and uh, uh, some of the leaders had short pitted, and uh, they got caught a lap down when the yellow came out that kind of kept me from finishing worse than that so happy with that considering you know i had damage but uh so i look forward to next week and see what goes on there all right very good um yukora indie throwback it was pocono david you got p12 yeah fairly event free 
uh, run for me. Other people had trouble. I stay. I just, you know, I coming into the league in the middle of the season, just trying to not step on any toes and set up as a clean driver. I caught a guy, and I definitely got to experience in that car the aero push, and you uh, you can't change the the weight jacker in that car, especially in a fixed setup, because I'd run him down. I ran him down, and I just couldn't set up that pass. Uh, I couldn't get enough of a run out of turn one like like I could on a stock car to, to really pull by him. It would just get too tight and have to get off to, too far off the throttle. But it was still a fun race. Uh, and we're going to Sonoma tonight. I had P19 in that race. Um, I don't really remember how I ran. Obviously not very good. Okay, and with that, let's jump into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed after Monte's race, the first race of the year uh, season. You know, it's only a 13-week season, and I think it's only 10 before the playoffs start. You know, I don't know if I can dig my way out of the P39, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I didn't get in a race at, um, at the NIS at uh, Darlington. I just couldn't fit that time schedule into my uh, – into my schedule it's just too long of a race for what i had going on this week so uh so i look forward to getting back out there this week and trying to catch up on that all right very good david hall final thoughts i'm looking forward to the uh, uh season four getting started up and also you know wrapping up the the nis i've been in a bit of a slump but we're going to be going back to some of the tracks that i run well at had a i almost broke the slump at dover but um day darlington and richmond so far been not so great all right, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, yeah, excited to be running NIS and getting a top 10 at Richmond. I was telling Brian before the show, it wore me out today. Um, I don't know if it's just I'm up on the wheel, so I keep it out of the wall or what, but I was just plain wore out. I still have my force feedback on 60%, but uh, these wheel problems are frustrating right now. I'm tempted just to buy a new hub. I've never had good luck with this hub ever since I bought it. The buttons just crumble, and now the thing doesn't even work. I can't shift it, and I'm just like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to buy a new one. I don't even know how to troubleshoot it. So looking forward to the Legends and uh, Sprint Car uh, starting up again next week. And uh, I guess I'm glad that the NBC thing uh, failed with the Coke race because that means we're going to continue to have Evan uh, coming on our show. Uh, to review those races. That's been a really nice uh, addition to the show this year to have Evan come on and kind of do a deep dive into what happened. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. For listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.